0: deep pattern downfield touchdown Miami what a throw Devontae Parker holy smokes what a drive what is up Dolph fans and welcome to the drive time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team your Miami Dolphins How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and we can say this again, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, it's part two of the 11 part training camp preview series as we stay in the backfield and stop by the running backs room to take a look at Miles Gaskins, Savon Ahmed, Malcolm Brown, Patrick Laird, Carl Tucker and Jordan Scarlett as well as Jared Dokes the rookie, we continue the 2021 NFL season preview taking a look at the NFC North and we'll get into what I'm watching on television right now and what you should be watching on your streaming services. Or otherwise, plus my new show recommendation that I just picked up this past week. All of that and a heck of a lot more on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. No filler, no gimmicks. Today, we're jumping right into the running back room. If you missed Tuesday's podcast, we previewed the quarterbacks with Tua Tungavailoa, Jacoby Brissett, as well as Reed Sunette. And we'll talk about the coaching staff as well at those positions and continue this every single day up until training camp before we get you the daily reports from camp, which, of course, if you have not seen it so far or have not registered your spot so far you can get tickets to training camp right now they're free just head to miamidolphins.com and get yourself a reservation for 2021 dolphins training camp fans back in session it makes practices way better to hear the oohs and the ahs and all the stuff you guys bring to those practices It's my favorite time of the calendar, my favorite football to watch, the evaluation period, 90 guys of just 90, 90 players, two hours of pure chaos in terms of trying to keep your eyes on all the action. It's a great time. I cannot wait. And one of the positions I'm excited to watch is the running back position because, well, there's a lot of competition in that room and maybe a bit of mystery and intrigue and unknown. Now, granted, this is a time of year where We're building the team. Like, nobody knows what this Miami Dolphins team is going to look like come September, and then again from September to December, as Coach Flores and Josh Boyer and the rest of the Dolphins coaching staff tells you, you want to be a different team, a better football team than you were at the start of the season. And this is the part of the calendar where the initial building kind of begins. We've done the roster building. We've done the the off-the-field type of building. Now it's time to develop those fundamentals, those chemistry, find out what kind of football team you are, and then we'll get to finding out which guys make it click, which position groups make the entire operation go the most, and how this team wins football games ultimately at the end of the day. So we'll be keeping an eye on all of that for you guys. But here we're going to talk about the running backs first, And if you haven't checked out the Miami Dolphins website, MiamiDolphins.com, we also have written elements that go along with this to kind of help you track, you know, it's like a training camp guide for you in a way. Jersey number, the college they went to, how you can keep an eye on these guys, what their stats were from last season, all of that fun stuff. And we come into this year with some changeover in the running back room. Jared Doakes, the only draft pick at the position in the seventh round out of Cincinnati, he comes in. Carl Tucker was a full or a a tight end slash H back slash a little bit of everything in college. He's a fullback on your Dolphins roster. Can't wait to talk about this guy, undrafted free agent. We bring in Malcolm Brown from the Rams, another big, physical, tough running back. And Jordan Scarlett, who was with the Lions last year after beginning his career with the Panthers, he also was added to this roster in 2021. Some departures, Matt Breda is up in Buffalo, and DeAndre Washington, who was acquired last year at the trade deadline, is still a free agent out there on the open market. The coaching staff, you guys know who it is, Coach Eric Studisville, who enters his fourth year with the Miami Dolphins, and his first as co-offensive coordinator, in addition to his new role, he still retains that position as running back's coach. And he's worked with running back's pretty much since i have been watching football he was either a running backs coach or run game coordinator of some type all the way back to 1997 when he was with the chicago bears he was the interim head coach of the denver broncos and now where this gets interesting is he was with the broncos for a lot of those mike shanahan years which of course was one of the principles of the zone running game the I, I should say, the innovators of the zone running game and really capitalizing on the old, doesn't matter who the running back is in Denver, he's going to give you a 1,000 yards from Mike Anderson, Olandis Gary, uh, Clinton Portis got traded out the year after he had that big monster rookie season because they needed cornerback help and they got Champ Bailey for a running back and continued rushing for a thousand yards. So he was there for the Broncos in the height of all of that stuff with Mike Shanahan. He then got the interim job in 2010 and then reverted to a assistant head coach role after that with the Broncos all the way through 2017 before joining Miami in 2018. The guys he has in that room at a glance here real quick, they find production from all walks of the acquisition period, whether it's waiver wire claims, uh, Training camp cuts, trades, draft picks, undrafted free agents. The highest drafted player in this room is Jordan Scarlett, who was a fifth-round pick of the Panthers in 2019. You've got Miles Gaskin and Jared Doakes, a pair of seventh-round picks. You've got Patrick Laird, Savon Ahmed, Carl Tucker, all undrafted free agents. Malcolm Brown was the UDFA when he came into the league with the Rams back in 2015. So very interesting collection of players. By now, you know that Miles Gaskins, 97.2 yards from scrimmage per game, was 10th among all running backs. And Savon Ahmed led the team with 4.3 yards per rush. And that 31-yard gallop in the Week 15 win over the Patriots was the longest carry by a Dolphins back in 2020. The intern, Patrick Laird, has been a mainstay on Miami's special teams unit the last couple of years. He was a big part of that blocked punt Andrew Van Ginkle had last year in the Chargers game, which set up a one-yard touchdown plunge uh, from Savon Ahmed in that game. So he had made a big couple of big plays last year. Malcolm Brown, similar story, kind of carved his path as a UDFA up through special teams. We talked about Jared Dokes going in the seventh round. He's another one of these guys that's big and thick and powerful and can contribute in the passing game. Same deal with Jordan Scar. He's He's got some juice as well. And then Carl Tucker looks to make that switch from tight end to the fullback position. So taking a look at the cast and what we have here, I see a bunch of guys that can play all three downs. And so that gives you the option to really not allow the defense to focus and key on what one particular guy does well. So I look at some plays last season the Dolphins ran. And for instance, one of my favorite plays of the entire year was the screen pass in the Arizona game to Durham Smythe right down the pipe. They faked a screen, a little orbit screen to the outside, fake another screen on a swing pass to the left side. And then Smythe sneaks back inside down the tunnel and catches that thing and goes for about 20 yards or so in that Cardinals game to set up one of Miami's touchdowns in the first half of that game. But they, it gives you the ability to threaten the defense because you can sit here and say, we're going to get in, let's just say, 12 personnel, whatever the example you want to use. We're going to get in 12 personnel, and because of that, because we're in that package, it's going to cause the defense to react a certain way, way why, so to speak. And it might, but it always helps when you have the pieces that force the defense to react that way and that's to me guys that can play all 3 downs and be versatile and you're not going to put a guy in the game and say they're running gap scheme right here because that guy only runs gap scheme you have a mix of gap and zone outside inside physical finesse passing game screen game pass pro you get guys that can do it all you're interchangeable that way and that keeps your offensive playbook expanded and open to the fullest so I think, in a lot of ways, what you've done with this room this off season is you've added that variety. I mean, after you know the midseason point last year when Jordan Howard was no longer with the club, the room did I think suffer a little bit from being a bit too one dimensional, and that your top two reliable guys in Ahmed and Gaskin, they're sub two hundred pound back, so they didn't have that. True hammer of the likes of a Malcolm Brown or a Jared Dokes possibly, and what they offer purely from a size and explosive metric standpoint. Both those guys can jump out of a gym at 225-plus pounds. Brown, 225. Jared Dokes 228. And then both Gaskin and Ahmed are, are sub-200. But that doesn't mean they can't break tackles. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But in terms of pure physicality, you add that to the room with those two players as well as Jordan Scarlett. And talking about that screen, the reason I wanted to get into that was that the feature or the option of two back personnel sets. Remember 2018, going back to Eric Stoudisville's first year here in Miami? I was so happy with what I saw in terms of additions to the running game on on the film in terms of the run scheme. Because first in 2016, it was almost exclusively outside zone. And granted, with Jay Ajayi and the way he ran that year and how he really made that season go with the option of Ryan Tannehill and his play pass heavy offense and kind of playing from those tight end heavy sets and playing off the running game, it's his bread and butter. It worked for that team. And that was the word around kind of why he was traded Jay Ajayi just a year later because he wanted to stick to that bread-and-butter offense. And the idea was that bringing in different personnel would allow the attack to become more multiple, but it just didn't really take hold until Coach Studisville got here in 2018. Like I I go back to the opener against the Titans that year, and there was some fun like fake toss, fullback dive stuff where Frank Gore is the upback taking carries and plodding ahead for eight, nine, ten yards just because of misdirection kind of threw the defense into the wrong gap and freed up a certain gap for Frank Gore to push through, which he always hits the right gap for his entire life now at age seventy one. He's never missed a gap in his entire life. That's why he He's one of the best running backs of all time. And some of those two back sets, you would get an Albert Wilson or a Jakeem Grant type two guys that are still here. And now you've also got Jalen Waddell who can do that. Robert Foster is a possible jet motion guy. Will Fuller, obviously. But when you go ahead and get there from two back personnel, you can almost operate in a classic or traditional, I'm not sure the term I want to use there, a tailback fullback look where you have these 225 pound plus guys dotting the I or splitting the quarterback alongside Miles or Savon, you get that variety in those two back sets. And all of a sudden you then can influence the defense because of what all those guys do with their v- a variety of skill sets, but the fact that they all can play on three downs. So the added size also gives you an added bonus in short yardage. And that's also, it also helps you in what I consider to be the real true value of running the football and running downs in the national football league. To me, the number one job of a running back in the running game is to convert first downs and also to create easier, shorter down and distance later in the down count. So like when you have a running game that can do these three things, number one, obviously is to keep the defense honest because like we talked about with the Ryan Tannehill 2016 Jay Ajayi offense, one false step downhill makes things difficult to defend at that second level on crossing routes, on the, the hook zone, the curl zone, all that fun stuff. And especially, especially when guys running those crossing routes are Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller and Robert Foster and Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, all these guys that run sub four, 440s makes life difficult on those linebackers as they have two things they have to think about before they get to their spot drop. Number two with running the football is turn over the down marker. Get first downs. Everybody wants to talk about you take your play action deep shot on second and short, right? And by everybody, I mean the Madden community. Because if I miss this shot right here on second and two, I can just run the ball on third down and convert. But we know that's not real life. Just look at the Dolphins defense last year. How many fourth down, third and short, or fourth and short stops did this defense get? I can recall the Denver game, the Arizona game, the the Las Vegas game. Big clutch fourth and short stops in those games. It's not always a given the offense will convert, and that's a turnover. So I'd rather go second and second and three and run the football than count on trying to run the ball and turning it over on third or fourth down. But second and four or less is probably my personal favorite running down because I like first downs. I'm weird like that. And then three for me is to hit home runs. You look at the balance of passing yards per play versus the run. One is clearly superior because you aim for what seven, eight yards per pass when you throw the football. And four and a half yards per run on the ground is good. You see where I'm going here? The ability to hit chunk run plays to bump that average, but also to give yourself chunks in the running game, the 10 plus yard runs. That's where I get most excited. And frankly, a little bit of a side here, why I'm most excited about year two of Savon Ahmed, because I think he was beginning to really kind of scratch the surface on those big chunk gains last season. More on that here in just one second. So to bring this point full circle, if you can convert your short distance first downs You extend drives, you put your defense on the sideline for more plays, and you put the opposing defense on the field more. It's science. So we want to specialize in versatile players, and that's true for the entire roster. But despite that versatility, we'd still like to identify some traits that each of these players bring to the table individually as their individual skill sets. And we'll get to that with each player here in just one second. But first, my final point on the room as a whole, you wonder if perhaps the running backs maybe need to really present a lot of value at the bottom part of the depth chart. The guys that, you know, because you you come into a game with three, four, five running backs active, you probably only expect to give two or three, maybe four of those guys carries. So you do have to come into the game with those guys with the mindset that they're going to play a lot on special teams. And maybe this running back room does have to give you more on special teams. Why is that? Well, typically every position on the roster, besides quarterback, obviously, contributes to special teams in their own way but you also have a lot of proven, experienced receivers on this roster whose primary job in the past has been offense exclusive in recent years. So let's say, and this is purely hypothetical, like what if you keep six receivers and those top six receivers are guys that the coaches decide at the end of camp are Waddle, Fuller, Parker, Williams, Wilson, and Lynn Bowden. That's six guys. How many of those guys are going to be your noted gunners or kick return guys or wedge busters, whatever it might be. I'm not saying you can't ask them to do it, but maybe that option is there to go with that receiving group that you you want to get more offensive production out of because you have more special teams ability in the running back room. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that correctly? I feel like I am. But again, this all goes back to just having options, something I think Miami did a good job of this offseason to give themselves their you know potential, presumed, whatever it might be, plan A and a contingency to that plan, and a contingency to the contingency plan, and on and on and on and on. So maybe the back end of the running back group is geared a bit more towards what you do on special teams. Maybe it's the opposite of that, and I'm completely wrong, but I think it's a point worth at least exploring as you continue to improve the depth of this roster and start to get closer to having 40 or 50 guys that you feel really good about with in terms of their straight-up offense or defensive ability on your roster. As far as the cast of running backs we're dealing with here, we're gonna start with Miles Gaskin out of the University of Washington. He's played two years now in the NFL, both with your Miami Dolphins. He wears number 37. He's gonna be 24 years old come opening day. And I talk about this all the time, but I just really, really admire what Miles brings to the locker room and the rest of the running back room and the team as far as how you're supposed to work, because he's talked about it in his media availability with us just this off season, how he was working back home in Seattle, but he wanted to get back down here to fully utilize the resources he had provided to him and just be back around work because you can go back home and you have your buddies and your family and everyone around you and you can get your same your your trainers and your workouts in. But utilizing what the Dolphins facility has to him is obviously the best option for him. So he came back down here. Plus a lot of people train in South Florida. And so You know, when one day the goofy podcaster is walking by the practice field from a solid 50-yard vantage point away, and you can see Miles Gaskin doing ladder drills and drilling that footwork on a player day off on a Tuesday, less than 48 hours removed from playing 60 snaps on Sunday. And mind you, that impresses me alone. But then the next day we get Jerome Baker on media and he's asked about a breakthrough performance that miles had the previous week. And you guys remember after week one last year, the narrative was what a surprise the Miami dolphins going with miles Gaskin as their top guy in the backfield, getting the bulk of the workload. Well, If you listen to drive time, that wasn't a surprise because Miles Gaskin was in the training camp notes pretty much every single day, ripping off big runs and making things happen and showing you that fluid vision and proving as much as you can as a running back in training camp. It's kind of hard when there's no hitting. Luckily, this year we get preseason games to watch guys take hits and break tackles. And that's what Jerome Baker was able to detail for us, saying, if you've been around Miles Gaskin, his success is no surprise to anyone here in this building because the way he works, his mindset, he's got that dog-like mentality. So I did a podcast uh, last December with UW's running backs coach, Keith Bonoffa. And he said that's how it always was with Miles. He brought a level of maturity and seriousness to the room. And in college, you know, you get guys out of high school, maybe they don't know how to work yet. Having Miles in that UW running backs room was so valuable for them. And obviously the production was also valuable, but he just knows when it's time to work. And that had a positive impact on the rest of that UW running back room. And just look at how Savon talks about him—a big brother, little brother type of relationship. They live in the same complex down here in South Florida, as they've both talked about many times. And Miles told us they are with each other, you know, every night quizzing film, going over terminology, little things that can make them sharper and react quicker on the football field. Again, that positive impact has a reverberating effect on the rest of the roster and here's what coach Studisville had to say about Miles earlier this summer I think the big thing about Miles from at least last year going from year one to year two for him was his growth in football and what he learned and how dependable he became for what we needed done just talking about again getting those assignments in knowing your checks knowing your terminology it's so valuable to play fast if you don't have to think about it and you can just you know jump on a podcast and record and not have to worry about your mechanics you're going to sound better same thing for football players so despite missing six games last year playing in just 10 of the 16 Gaskin led the team And snaps played among running backs with 453 and his production definitely validated what Miami was doing and their belief in him as he piles up 584 yards on the ground 388 through the air and five total touchdowns averaging 5.3 yards per touch he also forced 31 missed tackles per pff and averaged 2.54 yards after initial contact both those numbers led the Dolphins his 97.2 yards from scrimmage were 10th among running backs but how about this little nugget your boy found for you Miles Gaskin forced 31 missed tackles last year per pro football focus that ranked tied for 19th in the NFL, despite playing in just 10 games. And that mark equals a missed tackle forced every 4.58 carries. That's the exact same number for Minnesota's Dalvin Cook, who finished second in total missed tackles forced with 68. And he's been one of the best running backs in the NFL for a couple of years now, all pro candidate there in Dalvin Cook. He also, Miles, had at least one 10-yard run in all games but two that he played last year, the Cincinnati game and the Buffalo game where he had just seven carries in that game. And as for the tape, I see in Miles kind of something similar to what I discussed with Tua in that the things that make him successful are not the flashiest things that are going to really pop, I think, to the, and I use this phrase, you know, very carefully, the casual observer. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a casual observer, but if you don't, know the finer nuance of football maybe you don't know what to look for so that's why I want to educate on that his balance is so good that he can plant and he can cut and change the angle of the tackle before the defender even has time to react he knows how his blocks can develop or what the blocks are supposed to develop and he can change his launch point or the 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 aiming point the mesh point of where he wants to hit the hole and that's how these sub 200 pound backs manage to post a missed tackle force rate with the likes of Dalvin Cook because his vision and the quickness and the decision making is good enough to where he can change that tackle angle. Then you get tackles off the side of the hip opposed to squaring a guy up and he can bounce off that. And you couple that with his footwork and the quick feet and the fact that his feet never go dead upon contact to help pile up yards, both as a pro and definitely. Definitely back in college. He's quick to read it and quick to hit it. He's also a more than capable receiving back. You saw it last year. Whether he's taking a simple five-yard hookup route down the sideline for a 50-plus-yard touchdown score against the Raiders, or catching a screen pass and setting up blocks for a big chunk game, or turning on the Jets on a swing or a flat route to the outside, Miles Gaskin is your true three-down type of back. And I'm excited to see what he does here in year number three. He's only gotten better so far. You have to imagine that's the trajectory for Miles Gaskin in year number three. Speaking of his UW teammate, Savon Ahmed, number 26, one year of experience at UW as his college, and he's 22 years old on opening day. Young guy. Claimed off waivers in August from the 49ers and signed to the practice squad. Ahmed made his NFL debut in November. One week later, he makes his first career start, rushing for 85 yards in that win over the Chargers and that touchdown we mentioned. 86 touches as a rookie, he produced 380 yards from scrimmage with 3 touchdowns, rips off 9 runs of 10 plus yards, and forced 9 missed tackles on those 75 carries. But back to the Keith Bonoffa interview from UW, he compared Miles Gaskin's running style to smooth jazz and Savon Ahmed's to hip hop in that it was in your face and you better deal with it right now because if you don't, Savon can win the edge and he has that speed to burn where it's maybe a little more aggressive than patient. I think we saw that in the New England game when he ripped off that 31 yard to help salt that game away late. You give him the edge, it's bad news for the defense. And he's the type of back that when he's on, he can give you that 120 yard day and pick up another 20 or 30 yards in the receiving game. I like having that instant offense option when I need it in a pinch and his season high in missed force tackles last year was, in fact, that New England game. He had four, and he averaged 2.57 yards after initial contact, and his season number was 2.32 yards, so just a bit below what Miles registered last season. However, his 10-plus yard runs are often... 15 or more yards. Five of his nine 10-plus yard runs went for more than 15 yards, so the chunk gains there for Savon Ahmed. He also rushed for 18 first downs on 75 carries, a nice 24% first down rate. Malcolm Brown. New free agent acquisition here, number 34. Big Ricky Williams fan went to Texas. Six seasons NFL experience. He'll be 28 years old on opening day. With 70 career games played, he is the old hat in the room, the most experienced in the running back room. In his career, he's rushed for 1,188 yards and 11 touchdowns with a myriad of contributions in both the passing game and on special teams. Per pro football focus, Brown has yet to allow a sack in his career on 140 pass protection reps and has surrendered just three QB hits over that time. He has a career special teams, uh, seven career special teams tackles, I should say, with 631 reps in the game's third phase. And he also excels in short yardage. Last season, he converted six of his eight rushing attempts on third or fourth down and three or fewer yards to gain. So a big boon there to the Dolphins' short yardage offense. I love the fact that he was expanded more in the passing game last year with the Rams. He caught 25 of 34 targets, which is 75.3% for 175 yards and 194 of those yards, so catching the ball behind the line, were after the catch, a focal point of the Rams' screen game in that offense last season. So Malcolm Brown, I love the fact that he has great balance. He can really corner and get square to the line of scrimmage, which packs a punch and allows him to fall forward, which then gives you that conversion rate on the short yardage and picking up first downs and down around the goal line as well. And again, really added to his pass receiving arsenal this last season. Speaking of pass game gems, so to speak, Jared Dokes, number 23 Rookie this year out of Cincinnati. He'll be 23 years old on opening day. He checks a lot of those boxes we talk about for a modern day running back in the passing game, 228 pounds, packs that punch, uses a strong lower body to run through tackles and protect his quarterback and pass protection. PFF charged dokes with just one sack allowed in 130 career reps in college. As a receiver, he added 407 yards and four touchdowns just through the air last year with the Bearcats offense and didn't drop a single pass. He also averaged 14.4 yards per catch out of the backfield at Cincinnati last season. 14.4, that's like a downfield receiving threat number. Crazy good. And if you recall our draft coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft, we talked a lot about Jared Dokes kind of earning the ire, the praise of his coaching staff there at Cincinnati because he had some injuries he fought through and he was able to keep his head down and just work through it and became a guy that rose from basically coming back from an injury to special teamer to kind of third down back to get the true bulk of the workload last season. And Coach has really praised his ability to both work and get himself back into a position to be the top back on the roster once again but the big time receiving focus there the pass protection and his workout numbers I think really suggest that this guy could have some upside coming into the league 228 pounds explosive thick build 39.5 inch vertical 120 inch broad jump those tested in the 96th and 84th percentile among running backs also benched 19 reps of 225 and ran a 457 so he's a physical back that can help bring the load and again that kind of fits the mold of what the Dolphins brought into the running back room this offseason season with dokes with brown with carl tucker and with jordan scarlett being the acquisitions this offseason. Speaking of Carl Tucker, he's next, number 31, rookie out of Alabama, 24 years old on opening day, and he began his college career at Chapel Hill with the Tar Heels, then transferred to Alabama as a sixth-year senior, where he and the Crimson Tide captured a national championship last season, and during that six-year college career, he played a little bit of everything, some fullback, some h back some tight end, and special teams. He also talked in an interview with the Draft Network about not just his favorite aspect of his game, the physicality of it all, but the fact that he was a receiver in high school and when he first kicked the tight end in college he had no idea what he was doing so he kind of learned on the fly got better and then took his talents to Alabama so to speak and went there and won a national championship and you watched that tape with Bama last year It is riddled with punishing, crushing blocks, showcasing that trait that he loves of his the most, the physicality. You look at the tape, he just wants to punish guys. He can bury them on their backs. He can open up uh, lanes. And he talked about his favorite part of the game was creating a big lane and then watching his back run right off of his back, And then they show the defense their taillights. But this guy explodes into his blocks. He decleats guys with relative ease, at least in college. And he can do it working backside, play side, lead. He can seal. And he said, again, that his favorite thing was to seal those lanes and watch his back go through. And he also talked about his favorite parts of his game were his loyalty, his work ethic. And a guy that just does his job without asking questions said that he went to go play for Alabama because he wanted to get a piece of that winning culture and learn what it meant. To be a champion, and when you watch the way he plays, by golly, did I just say that? But by gosh golly did he reflect that mindset on the football field and fundamentally I I thought he was just so sound in how he approached his blocks he always kind of came to balance and gets his feet under him and explodes through the rep rather than lunging and you might recall back in the 2012 hard knocks episode Les Brown who was a lacrosse convert trying to learn football and play tight end was trying to learn how to explode into the blocks And he also often would take a step and then reach and that gets you off balance that gets you kind of over your skis I don't see that in Carl Tucker's game in college he really steps into the block and just throws the punch as he comes through that initial step also in the backfield Patrick Laird number 32 has two seasons of NFL experience he came from Cal he'll be 26 on opening day Made the team as an undrafted free agent back in 2019, and he has worn several hats. The intern himself, despite just 23 touches last year, there were two plays that I thought were crucial in the Dolphins season that Patrick Laird was a big part of. Number one, a first down he converted against the Cardinals on a third and five pass play where he gets out into the flat, makes a guy miss, gets around the chains, and extends that drive to get three points on the board before halftime in a game that we won by three points, plus he also had a big first down on a third and six carry against the Patriots, actually got a chance to ask Coach Flores about that play, about going to a run situation there right on the fringe of field goal range, and they had the right look, Tua got to it, and and Laird took it through for a first down to extend that drive and get points on the board as well in a huge Week 15 win. In his two-year career, Laird has six special teams tackles per pro football focus and 426 reps that he's played. Again, special teams, whether he's running down, throwing, you know, b- blowing up the wedge, or what used to be that wedge anyway, or just hitting his blocks or making big blocks on special teams, both Coach Flores and Danny Crossman have praised the way this guy works, and that's how he's earned his, we- his way into a role on this team the last two seasons. And we finish up here with Jordan Scarlett, number 28, it might take some getting used to just a different 28 out there this season. Two seasons in the NFL, he played his college ball at Florida. He'll be 25 come opening day. He's played in nine games. That was all as a rookie with the Panthers in 2019. Carried the ball just four times and played 111 snaps on special teams. He's the highest drafted player in the room, the fifth-round pick back in 2019. He rushed for 1,846 yards at Florida with 12 TDs, and he also expl- or exhibited, I should say, exceptional contact balance with quick feet that remain active in traffic. So that's why he was able to burst through lines and burst through traffic and get big runs there at Florida. There just isn't a lot on him with regards to NFL tape, but in college, again, that contact balance and the quick active feet. He also works out with Tua this offseason, or has worked out with Tua and his trainer. So you've probably seen some videos of him. He's looking cut, looking ready to go. Excited to see what he looks like in training camp. Another one of these big body backs that I think was really missing from the equation last year. So enter Dokes, Brown, Scarlet and let the chips fall where they may. That is your running back preview, also available on miamidolphins.com. So go check out that written piece up on the website. Give us some love there. Give us some love on social media. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Up next, we're going to finish this podcast with our division-by-division preview, the 2021 NFL preview. And this entire process really serves to me as a reminder of what happened in the NFL this offseason. And I hope it does the same for you. Today, we take a look at the NFC North, and we start with a team and a player that makes this one of the more intriguing divisions in the league, for my money. The Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Now, Matt Nagy has already announced Andy Dalton as their week one starter, but I refuse to believe that's written and penned because Justin Fields has been playing really good football at a high level for a long time at a big time program. And I think he could be ready as early as week one if he gets through that early development phase that kind of needs to be expedited this this part of the calendar because it's a lot to learn for a rookie quarterback. that's the first storyline here. Number one, the Bears are going to get primetime games because they are a huge market and one of the more iconic brands in the NFL. So even through all those years of, let's call it quarterback purgatory, We would still get four to five Bears primetime games a year, and the infusion of one man alone makes those games instantly more watchable for me, and this is where my real urge to see him play for week one checks in, because I want to see those new-look Rams versus the new-look Bears, and that means Fields, not Andy Dalton for me. I think the strangest thing that happened this offseason was Kyle Fuller, one of the top 10 or so cornerbacks in the NFL for my money getting outright cut. So how they replace his production is going to be interesting. Taking the football away has never been more important in the league than it is right now, where it's increasingly getting more difficult to stop these high-powered offenses. And Fuller was kind of a peanut Tillman in the way he punches and dislodges the football with such regularity. 19 picks, three fumbles, and 82 passes defensed in a six-year career. Can you make that up with Artie Burns, Desmond Trufant, and Tashawn Gibson? We'll see. I'm curious to see what happens in the backfield with Tariq Cohen coming Coming off an ACL, they draft Khalil Herbert and they also have the ever patient and impressive running back in David Montgomery. Allen Robinson's back and he has been kind of DeAndre Hopkins like early on in his career where he has straight up just produced regardless of quarterback play. And Anthony Miller is in a bit of a make-or-break year there, coming out of Memphis in year number three. I loved his game in college. And they also have a lot of speed there in Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. Plus, Darnell Mooney might be the clear-cut number two at this point. He's had a really nice career so far to this point through one season. I think he's the second-best route runner on the team. They attempted to remake their offensive line, which was kind of beaten down last year with injuries. They cut Charles Leno, but one of the mainstays up front was Leno. They replaced him with Tevin Jenkins, one of my favorite overall players in this entire draft class, but they're going to flip him to left tackle where he played right tackle throughout his college career. So that bears watching, no pun intended. I also really like James Daniels, the center out of Iowa a couple years ago. They got to get more consistent in opening lanes and turning guys early so Montgomery can see it and hit it that way accordingly. Get that run game balance. Justin Fields should help when he enters the lineup too with the running game. Defensively, they're still pretty loaded. Akeem Hicks is among the most underrated players in the league. I love Eddie Goldman up front, and they play big ends to help maximize those edge rushes with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. I think Mack will bounce back this season. That's a Big story for this team that wants to create one-on-one matchups and let Mac do his thing. He just didn't quite win them with the same regularity we've become accustomed to over the years, but having Robert Quinn, I think helps in that way too. Those explosive first steps of those guys can help with, you know, can kind of complement the big bodies they have on the defensive line. Roquan Smith is teetering right on elite status for me with linebackers. I've always liked Danny Trevathan. And in the secondary, as we mentioned, there's some turnover. But the mainstay is Eddie Jackson, who's just another one of these stud defensive backs to come from Bama. And he makes a big difference. He is an awesome, awesome player. The offseason additions for the Bears, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams. Remember him? Crazy what one year can do for a player. Tevin Jenkins, Mario Edwards Jr., Jeremiah Tacho, Christian Jones, Dion Bush, Desmond Trufant and Artie Burns so some significant change over there in in Chicago we'll see what happens this year I think that they're going to have to win some games this year to keep on chugging along and see what happens as far as Fields development up next is the defending division champs and NFC championship game participant the Green Bay Packers and I'm going to say this then we'll move on is there anything more exhausting than Packers offseason quarterback drama I mean I remember despising the coverage of Brett Favre watch for what seemed like five straight years. And granted, this is my fault for always having Colin Cowherd on when I'm home, Uh, mornings on the West Coast, afternoons here on the East Coast. But I swear Rodgers has been the B-block story on that show every day for the last three months. He'll be back, but that doesn't really make for good TV or radio. So Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, you know, we know what Rodgers is, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best quarterbacks ever. And count me in the group that wants to see Jordan Love play, because you've seen some of these bigger, physical, physically gifted quarterbacks like Josh Allen start to really realize their potential. That's what Jordan Love has in terms of the physical makeup. I want to see him sooner than later, but with 12 in town... That ain't never gonna happen. So they bring back Aaron Jones in that backfield, and he's just one of the best pure runners in football. A big get for them to bring him back, and he pairs very nicely with the hammer that is AJ Dillon. The story with this team always seems to be about what happens behind Devontae Adams at receiver, the best NFL or the best receiver in the league for my money. Alan Lazard has some proven tape now, and the name that I love on that list is Amari Rodgers. I love the way he creates separation, the way that he runs his routes, the urgency, and the sure hands that he has in traffic. He's going to be a nice little option there for Aaron Rodgers. You've also got Robert Tunyon scoring all those touchdowns. So there's no shortage of players there, especially when you consider on the offensive line David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins anchoring a line that has made some nice additions this off season as well. The defense is led by Jair Alexander, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. And they have remade their system in recent years. I mean, a couple of years ago to play more zone and kind of play bend, but don't break and create takeaways. They play plenty of dime defense as well. Six and seven defensive back packages. And that's where Jair's at his best, creating havoc and creating takeaways. Adrian Amos comes over from the Bears a couple of years ago and gives them another solid safety alongside Darnell Savage. Also, I'm a fan of Kevin King, Eric Stokes. And Josh Jackson, up front, Kenny Clark is underrated as they come, in my opinion. He holds the point, eats blocks, and creates chances for guys around him, kind of like Christian Wilkins does in a lot of ways. And rushers, Preston and Darius Smith off the edge. And Rashawn Gary, another bullet in the chamber. Man, that second level of that defense can really play. Their offseason was mostly taking care of their own guys. A great strategy for a team who's won 13 games each of the last two years and made it all the way to the conference championship weekend and damn near won the thing last year. Not so much in 2019, but their offseason looks like this. Blake Bortles, Kylan Hill, Amari Rogers, Josh Myers, the rookie out of Ohio State on the offensive line, Devondre Campbell, the former Falcons linebacker, and Eric Stokes in the draft. The Minnesota Vikings, it starts in the same spot here as it does for the other two teams at the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins gets the big deal as an unrestricted free agent back in 2018, gets another extension with the Vikings, and now Minnesota drafts a possible heir apparent. You remember this team was among the most loaded rosters back when they brought Cousins in and it was thought that the quarterback will push them over the top. They've only made the playoffs once in those three years and they got a big upset win over the Saints in that playoffs, but that was it. You expect more than one playoff win with that roster they had. So how long is that leash there? Does Kellen Mong get special packages? Is he a threat to win the job? I'm really excited to see what happens there at the quarterback position in Minnesota. Now on the other side, Mike Zimmer is one of the defensive masterminds of our generation, but last year's Vikings defense was a bit of a struggle. The worst he's ever overseen from a yardage allowed standpoint, and that's just not going to happen again. A big reason why, for my money, they were young in the secondary, and that's tough to overcome, but their big offseason get was possibly a solve for that and Patrick Peterson, and maybe he can recapture the old form that he had there with Mike Zimmer, but I'll be curious to see if he can, as he's now 30 years of age and, you know, it's... Kind of a young man's game, a mid-20s game, especially at that cornerback position. But back on offense, Dalvin Cook, man, this guy, he is elite. The best running back in the league for my money, him and Alvin Kamara. A guy that the offense truly can run through, but they have to have him healthy for that to happen. And Justin Jefferson, man, you lose Stefan Diggs and you don't see a drop-off there. That's ridiculous to talk about. Just Jefferson's pure competitiveness of what he brings to the table. He is that dude. Plus, Adam Thielen just continues to quietly cook up DBs with great route running and another ho-hum 1,000-yard season. Well, it was 925 in 15 games, but you get it. Irv Smith is a big factor here for me, too. Can they still go too tight without Kyle Rudolph? Because they ran so many packages out of 12 personnel last year. Who's going to be that second tight end? And can Irv Smith take the reins as the true tight end number one? They completely remade their offensive line, and I love it. Christian Derisaw is awesome. Uh, getting Mason Cole in a trade. And they draft Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. And they already had a couple of nice pieces in place there in Garrett Bradbury and Brian O'Neill. But I like this the most as far as their offseason, the way they're able to reshape the offensive line. Defensively, you get back Daniil Hunter. That's the biggest boon. And Dalvin Tomlinson, a huge addition on the inside to go along with some linebackers that can flat out play and move Eric Kendricks is so good. I love his game. Always have a modern-day linebacker. Anthony Barr still gets the job done playing forward. And Chaz Surratt is a nice piece there out of UNC. We'll see how he develops in that defense. Their offseason, Kellen Mond, Amir Smith-Marset, Christian Derrissaw, Mason Cole, Wyatt Davis, mostly draft picks. Dalvin Tomlinson, a big free agent, and Patrick Peterson as well. Uh, Patrick Jones, the Pittsburgh defensive end uh, from the University of Pittsburgh, I should say, is there. Chaz Surratt, Nick Vigil, and then Patrick Peterson in the defensive secondary. Then there's the Detroit Lions and what an offseason it has been. One of race car helmets and bringing Lions to practice and biting off kneecaps. Messages of bravado. They did well to get draft pick compensation back for Matt Stafford, but I think they're going to realize just how much he did for that team. And so will the Rams. Matt Stafford is so, so good. I'm concerned what it might look like without him. They're obviously kind of stepping back and reshaping that football team under Dan Campbell's vision. Jared Goff is their guy now, If they lose Kenny Holiday and went heavy on the offensive line. We'll see if that's enough to get Goff protected because he has to be protected to function the way he can at his highest level. I love the remade defensive tackle position with Levi Onwuzariki out of UW. He is a dominant force. I liked Aline McNeil a lot too out of NC State. And they also go out and get Brian Price to add to that group up front. I'm curious to see what happens with Trey Flowers in the post Matt Patricia era because. Play for the Patriots, play for the Lions and those types of defenses. Now they're going to wipe out that scheme and try something else. Can he still play at the high level in a different scheme? I don't doubt it. He's a great player, but I'm curious to watch it unfold. And then that secondary needed a rehaul. And the biggest thing I'm looking for is that year two jump out of Jeff Okuda. Rookie cornerbacks, it's always tough on those guys. I can't wait to watch him play. Their offseason, Jared Goff, Jamal Williams from Green Bay comes over. They drafted Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Love his game. Amon Ross St. Brown from USC and Brashad Perriman, the two big receiver acquisitions. Panay Sewell is probably the best player they brought in all offseason. He's a great tackle out of the University of Oregon. Darren Fells, Aleem McNeil, Brian Price, Levi Anwuzarike, Alex Anzalone, the linebacker, formerly of the Saints, Quinton Dunbar, Corn Elder, and Efetu Melafonwu, the brother of Obi who formerly of the Patriots and Raiders. So for the NFC North, to me, the best player, Aaron Rodgers. Your best non-quarterback, Devontae Adams. Your best defensive player, Daniil Hunter gets that nod. The best rookie for me is going to be Justin Fields. I think the best coach is Matt LaFleur. The most intriguing team is the Vikings. I'm really curious to see how the offensive line and kind of remaking it helps rebrand that offense. The champion's going to be chalky. It's going to be boring. I'm taking the Packers once again there's your nfc north preview you should definitely watch i think you should leave on netflix it's one of the funniest damn shows i've ever seen in my entire life i'm gonna skip on giving you my skit my uh, skit rankings that i did the other night because we're running out of time here and we'll we'll go ahead and talk more about tv in the next episode because we're short on time i'm gonna get out of here you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast from go ahead and leave us a rating leave us a review that really helps the podcast grow and get out to more Dolphins fans. So if you have not done so, please do today if you can. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcasts, And of course, MiamiDolphins.com where all your written training camp previews can be found. Until next time, Fins up.